Intelligence. Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence. I'm Kate Barrett, the founder of eFocus Marketing, a specialist email marketing agency helping companies to use email more intelligently. Today is our monthly intelligence masterclass, where we dig down into a specific area of email marketing to help you increase your results. And this month, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Elliot Ross from Taxi for Email. So Elliot, welcome, and thanks for taking the time to join me for this month's masterclass. Hey, yeah, thanks for having us. So before we jump into our topic for today, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself Taxi for email and how you help your clients. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so my background, I suppose, is I've done email for quite a long time now, probably about 15 years or so. Um, this is probably too long. So I worked at um, various ESPs and agencies and then um, did that for quite a while. Um, went freelance in 2012, set up an agency called Action Rocket, um, which you may have heard of. They do um, a sort of creative and design and HTML for emails, so specialised in email, sort of boutique agency um, there. But one thing we found with Action Rocket is we were doing lots of work for people and um, we gave the HTML to marketers, right? And what happened is they needed to basically get content into that HTML every week. So there's two ways that happens. One, they either pay the agency to do it every week, which is good money, but it's not uh, the most effective and efficient way to do things. Um, and also there's a lot of back and forth, the price changes, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of manual work going on. Um, or the marketers have to do it themselves. And that sometimes causes challenges because marketers aren't necessarily experts at HTML. They're experts at many other things. Um, so what we ended up doing is building Taxi to do that, um, to kind of help marketers and content people get the content into their email. Um, into a kind of template. But what we found is from doing that, it also solved a whole bunch of other challenges that people have. So we had quite quickly clients that were using Taxi to make huge amounts of multiple language email or to manage 100 people making email at once across the world, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so we ended up building Taxi really to help organize sort of big teams or kind of marketing teams that want to do more with the resources they have and yeah, just be able to sort of execute really quickly. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what Taxi does and, and how it helps. But yeah, it's generally um, make email quicker um, to a better quality and or to um, a much larger scale and usually a combination of all three. Fantastic. I've used Taxi many times and I absolutely <laughs> love the platform. And I love how easy it is to put those templates together and make sure that across your teams, you keep your branding, you've got the consistency in your design, but you've got those elements that you can pull in and out really quickly. So the thing is with, with both of your businesses, it's about design and having a brilliant design. And that is such an important part of that email marketing mix. Because if you don't make your content easy to read and interact, with, you diminish the impact of the message that you've spent so much time crafting. But one of the frequently overlooked areas and such a vitally important area of the design process 
is ensuring that your emails are accessible. And that's our topic for today. So making sure that you create and send emails that every subscriber can read and understand, regardless of whether they have a visual impairment or other disability. So let's set the scene a little bit of this. So I found some statistics when I was kind of researching for this episode that said from the World Health Organization, 1.3 billion people worldwide live with some form of visual impairment. 217 million are living with moderate to severe vision impairment. 36 million people are blind and 246 million have low vision. So let's put some of those numbers into context. The UK population in 2019 is 67.6-ish million. So about half of the people in the UK worldwide are blind. So, I mean, Mm. it's a massive number that we have to take into consideration when we are designing our emails. And 15% of the global population live with some form of disability because, of course, when you're looking at the internet in general, it's not just um, whether or not you are blind or have a visual impairment, it's other disabilities as well. Color blindness, for example, you know, or varying degrees and other types of ailment definitely can be an issue. So, Elia, you had a great slide that went into this in a little bit more detail from a presentation that you gave at the Email Innovation Summit that we were both speaking at in London recently. So do you want to expand on this a little bit more and tell us why creating accessible emails is so important nowadays? Yeah, sure. Um, So... Yeah, it's it's interesting when we talk about accessibility because it does really affect all of us or it improves the experience for all of us. Um, so we'll talk about sort of different challenges and types of challenges that people have um, in a second. But um, yeah, there's um, there's some interesting stuff. So the kind of slide that I was that you're sort of referring to is um, from the uh, Microsoft Inclusive Design um, guidelines, which is. If you sort of Google that, there's a nice website for all of that stuff. Um, and what they do on there is they talk about this idea of a persona spectrum. And the thing with this, the persona spectrum is that it, so this this can be really useful for, for example, if you're trying to justify incorporating better accessibility into your email campaigns. Now, um, there's legal reasons why you should do that anyway, and there's ethical reasons why why you should do it anyway. But obviously, everything in email, we do have to balance how much effort we put into everything, right? Because that's the kind of challenge we have. So this is really why accessibility is really important for us to deal with and consider. So um, they have this idea of the persona spectrum. And on the persona spectrum, um, they talk about um, people having permanent, temporary, or situational challenges. So a good example, perhaps, is hearing. Um, and they have a nice kind of diagram of this, but someone might be permanently deaf, right? So they could never really hear what's going on. Um, and then there's kind of obviously various levels of, of challenges around hearing. Um, but also, um, so that, that would be a kind of permanent um, challenge there. But also people have temporarily temporary challenges so for example someone might have a temporary ear, ear infection for a few weeks or a month or however long um you know six months or whatever so you can see how we start to improve the experience um if we consider deaf people as a whole we can also improve the experience for people who temporarily um need a bit more help there um, and even things like a bartender um in a bar for example it's very loud music it's very 
difficult for them to hear. Um, so that's a situational challenge. So that could be someone who's working for two or three hours in the evening. So we can go all the way from two or three hours or you know loud environment temporarily to someone who's got ear infection for a few weeks and then someone who's permanently for their entire life needs um, support around hearing. So this is why accessibility is really important because if you look at justifying doing it, you can look at people who permanently need it and that's you know, sometimes, as you just said, it is a, a, a large number, but it's it's also a f- fairly small percentage of, of the world population. Um, but once you start to consider the temporary and the situational people as well, that is basically the entire population. Fantastic. So how can people get started with accessibility in email? What are the four main considerations that you would say need to be taken into account when it comes to accessibility? Um, yeah, so there's, um, yes, as you said, there's kind of four things to consider. So I just talked about hearing, right? Now, hearing doesn't really come into email that much. Luckily, we can't really do audio in email. Um, people have tried and they've failed, um, which is probably for the best. Um, but, um, there's maybe one thing to consider, which is if you are doing video, um, then think about that experience. So if you've got video, even on a landing page, um, there's a stat. I've been trying to find the article, but I can't quite find it. But it's about 80% of people view audio, or view video with the audio turned off. You know, regardless if they don't have headphones, they're viewing on the on their way into work, on the train, or whatever. Making sure that you've got subtitles and captions and all of that kind of stuff on any video content that you're putting into that kind of journey is really important so yeah th- that's probably the, the most we need to consider um the sort of hearing side of things um for email but the other things are are probably more prevalent so um big one as you said um is visual so you talked a little there about um blindness statistics and things like that it's not just people who are blind but it's a great place to start so if people are blind to the extent where they you know really can't see the design of our email the chances are they will be engaging with our email via a screen reader. And there's a few different types. There's some that are built into the uh, laptop or phone or whatever device um, someone is using. There are also kind of third-party apps that are different types of screen readers um, that have all sorts of other considerations in there as well. So there are a few different types. There are some prevalent ones that are worth testing for. But a great place to start is literally just, you know, either say, hey, Siri, or to uh, use the kind of native um, stuff that's put onto your laptop just to kind of see what your email is like when it comes to a screen reader. So a screen reader will basically read out the text that you have in your email. Um, So there's a lot of considerations we can do there from a code perspective. Um, So we can code our email so that the screen reader basically doesn't get confused and reads out the content in the right order and doesn't read out things you know about urls of images and things like that that aren't very good experience um so there's definitely some kind of in the weeds code work that you can do there um but there's also a lot more to visuals so for example people who have epilepsy for example if we send massive animated gifs that are very flashy like literally flashing um at people then you run the risk of of causing um epileptic seizures for people so we need to consider that as well and there are also lots of different levels of of, um, visual challenges that people have so for example um, color blindness comes into that sort of things like tunnel vision and things but so that can affect the design that we use as well so for example you might want to consider the contrast of 
any text that you have over an image or you know light gray text over a light gray background that kind of stuff um, some people are literally not going to be able to see that but again there are some tools that you can use to to preview that stuff and then the other two that are quite interesting but i'd say visual is probably the main one so other two to consider so dexterity is is interesting so you know typically we think about email as something you click through and we talk about click throughs as our metric some people might have um, challenges with dexterity and they might be tabbing through an email for example so the best practice that we have or has been you know mentioned a long time which is this idea that um, you should just basically make everything a link so that people can click on anything and they can click through. That's going to be a real challenge for people who are tabbing through your email because all of a sudden they've got to tab through 50 different links instead of you know what there really is, which is one button that they should be clicking on. Um, so maybe we should consider that tab experience as well. Even just you know the uh, touchscreen versus mouse thing that we consider with mobile anyway, you know, touchscreen is a little less precise um, and we should consider how people interact with those as well if they have dexterity challenges. And the last one to consider as well, which goes all the way back to copywriting and strategy, to be honest, is um, making sure your email is easy to understand. So there's a few things there. So it goes to copywriting, making sure that people who um, are autistic, for example, um, uh, can engage with the language that we have and it, it doesn't mislead them and that, and that kind of stuff. Um, but also um, thinking about the type typography you use, for example. So uh, sans serif fonts tend to be better for dyslexic users. There's a whole bunch of research um, that, that you can kind of dig into there, um, various different ones. So Comic Sans actually is quite useful for dyslexic users um, and, and makes text easier to understand, for example. So there's there's four things we should consider, really. So hearing, visual, dexterity, and cognitive. And there's, there's lots to dig into there. Fantastic. So I think that gives us a, a great summary of all of those areas. And I think just going back to the visual element, which I think is the biggest one around email here, mm. it's not just the disabilities, you know, certainly in society now and how technology is moving forward. Even if we're in the car or, you know, wherever we might be, just sitting in the living room or sitting in our offices and you might say, hey, Alexa, read me my emails. So we not have to, we not only have to be aware of all of these elements because of the disability side of things and making sure that everybody has the chance to interact with our messages, but just the way that technology is going nowadays and how people generally want to interact with their emails. Yeah, exactly. So if you go back to that idea of the persona uh, spectrum, then you know Siri is is you know a screen reader for everyone, right? That, that's mm -hmm. if you happen to be driving, then that's situational. You shouldn't look at your phone when you're driving, um, but you can have Siri read out your email if you know if you have the the technology with you. Intelligence, energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett, brought to you by eFocus Marketing. Join in the discussion on social media. Search hashtag intelligence. So, okay, we've got those four areas. Where do we start when it comes to the next email that we're building and checking whether or not it's accessible, making sure that we've got the right text sizes or fonts, or what are the things that we need to be aware of when we're building our next email? 
Um, yeah, so from a very base level, from the code side of things, there's two or three code things you can do. So the first thing is you can put type equals presentation onto every table tag. And what that does is it stops a screen reader um, looking at a table and thinking that it's being used to lay out data. Um, so if you don't do that, fairly often a screen reader will go, right, this is a table full of data, here's the first column, here's the second column, here's the third column, and we'll kind of read things out row, row by row and column by column. So being able to say, actually, this is just for presentation means that a screen reader will say, okay, fine, I don't really care about this table. I'll just go first to you know, the first bit of content that I can find. Um, so that's a great place from a code perspective um, to make sure you've got a bit better experience straight away. Um, one other thing you can do from code side of things is if you have images, make sure you always have an alt attribute, even if it's empty. Um, so if you have an image and you don't have any anything to say in your alt attribute, still make sure that it's empty and there is one there because if there isn't one, it will just jump over and start reading out the URL or something like that. So that's not very helpful. Um, so doing that, those two things, um, definitely from a code perspective, help the experience straight away. Um, from the design side of things, there's a couple of things you can do. So there's a whole bunch of color contrast tools. So there are some in the kind of places where you would test email anyway. So things like Litmus and Email and Acid, there are um, color blindness checkers. The challenge with color blindness is there's a huge amount of different types. So there's kind of three or four prominent ones, and then there's a real long tail of lots and lots of different ones. Um, so what is also useful there is there are um, contrast tools that you can use. Um, and what happens there is you upload your design, and it will check whether you know the, your text is standing out enough against your background, for example. So it will um, give you a kind of score on on contrast. Um, so that will help you um, make sure you, you have a decent experience across all of those different types of color blindness, because obviously testing for each one is, is going to be very challenging. So it's a good kind of aggregate score there. Um, and then really from the kind of strategic perspective, yeah, it's thinking about, um, you know, what, what do we do for people who... Yeah, if you have ep epilepsy, for example. So, yeah, maybe thinking about how we use GIFs and making sure they're not too challenging. And then also things like... Um, it kind of comes under cognitive, I suppose. But, for example, people with anxiety, we should perhaps think about the language we use. So marketing, you know, very often we're trying to sell something, and that's fine. That's what we're in a job for, right? But um, sometimes we use tricks that are... Uh, a challenge if you have anxiety issues. So there's a good example. Someone was using a booking engine, um, and I saw a whole bunch of tweets about this, and there's all these kind of things that say, hey, hurry up, there's only two of these rooms left at this price, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, if you have you know, challenges around that, and it makes you very anxious, then that's not a great experience for people, and we shouldn't be um, really doing that. Yeah, true. Okay, so that gives us some starting points. And if we want to dig in a little bit deeper, you've mentioned about using Litmus or email on acid to run through whether or not your email is accessible. So what kind of things will they check? So you've mentioned color contrast. Are there any other things like that that we need to be aware of? Yeah, so Litmus just um, released a tool that um, is basically a screen reader in email as well. So that's really cool. Um, so you can get a screen reader in the same way that you test for Outlook, for example, which is really useful um, because typically, you know, you wouldn't have been able to do that before. Um, so that, that's a great tool to use as well. I think that's in the new Litmus that they've they've launched recently. And then also from the testing side of things, it is just about considering 
this kind of stuff in our testing process. So where previously we might have got a device lab, for example, so that you can test on you know various Android phones actually in your hand, um, then maybe we should start having some other assistive devices as well and seeing what the experience is like there. Even just getting another phone and going through all the accessibility settings and um, you know ramping that stuff up. So things like the iPhone, there's a whole bunch of stuff. If you go into settings and, and general, I think, or settings accessibility, somewhere in there, you can turn on a load of stuff. And that's really useful because you can change the font size so that it's really big, for example. So you need to make sure that your design still works in that environment. Yeah, brilliant. So you mentioned font size. So I think mm. kind of the general industry standard is to make sure that your font size is 14 and above. Is that for accessibility reasons? Is that for just generally making it easy to read? What's your kind of view on text size? Yeah, so I'd say 14, maybe even 16 these days. So, yeah, that's partially just screen resolutions getting bigger. And then also, yeah, things like accessibility. So there is, there's a fix that you, well, not really, a, shouldn't necessarily call it a fix, but there's a piece of code that you can add to your email to stop this from happening. But if you don't do it, then what will happen is if you put a font size that is less than 13 pixels, the iPhone will make it larger by default. Um, so there's a bit of code you can put in that basically says it's okay don't do that and I will um, work it out myself. Um, and that's, for example, a piece of accessibility, right? So it's, it's trying to be useful and make sure that the email looks good for, for people who can't see small font sizes. Um, so yeah, so I would say 14 um, or above, maybe even 16, maybe even 18 is a good place to be these days. Okay, brilliant. So consider that in terms of your minimum font size. Look at the actual font style that you're using. So you mentioned one that was great for dyslexia, I believe. What was that? Was that Comic Sans? Yeah, yeah so Comic Sans, but that's always going to be a bit of a challenge getting that past your brand people, I suppose. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but in general, sans serif fonts tend to be um, easier for people with dyslexia to read. There are some specific... Um, very sort of very friendly I suppose um, dyslexic fonts that have been designed for people with dyslexia the challenge is getting those specifically to work in email um, yeah. you know you, you can embed fonts but they don't work everywhere that kind of thing so maybe a happy medium is to use you know sort of Arial, Helvetica, Verdana those fonts that yeah, are basically sans serif um, yeah if you're not a typography nerd the serif is basically the little bit that sticks off the end so times new roman has lots of serifs the ikea logo does have serifs but they're very small and okay. Arial doesn't have any okay <laughs> good to know <laughs> okay brilliant so so we've looked at fonts colors making sure that we've got enough difference in the colors so if you had black text on a dark red for example that's mm. not different enough for people with color blindness to distinguish between and like you said there's lots of variations of that but again using the testing tools you can see what is a good variation in the colors so definitely think about that so you mentioned um using alt tags behind your images making yeah. sure that um we do have a good image to text ratio so when you've got a screen reader if it's all images there's nothing for it to read right so we've got to actually have some copy in our in our emails as well yeah exactly i think you know we, we talk about this a lot just in general in design terms but there's absolutely a place for images in email mm -hmm. you just need to make sure that the entire email isn't images and if images are disabled for whatever reason and sometimes that can be as as simple as just having a bad phone connection um mm -hmm. then making sure that that message still gets across. 
yeah, the important information should always be in as text and having those bulletproof buttons so that they're actually text rather than images is really important for like you say images being disabled in various different email clients or if you've just got a bad internet connection so absolutely and thinking about the hierarchy of your messages as well so making sure that you mentioned earlier in terms of screen readers so putting in that code to tell it that a table is just for presentation purposes so that it will actually read it as you've got it on the screen so from your headings down to your copy down to your calls to action and then following down the screen so you've got to think about the order in which you place that information as well in the email yes exactly um so i think there are some ways that you can kind of hack that a bit and you can say well not even hack that you know there's code that you can say that basically says read this bit then read, read this bit you could even have a separate piece almost a separate email that is um, just for the screen reader, for example, um, mm-hmm. but it's a balance of being able to, you know, how, mu- how much um, how much work do you do, right? Like it's probably mm-hmm. easier just to make sure that your standard email is accessible rather than building a completely separate one. Yeah. So really, as part of our brand guidelines, we should have a section in there that talks about accessibility and what these kind of rules are, should we say, that we need to put in place in our email designs. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's interesting you mentioned the word rules there, right? So um, a long time ago, the kind of first time I, I worked really seriously on accessibility um, was around the um, London 2012 Olympic Games, right? Because historically, mm. we hadn't really done much around accessibility in email, typically because it was too hard to do anything in email. Um, <laughs> and obviously, the Olympics is is very inclusive. They're literally the Paralympics, right? So mm-hmm. we need to make sure that it, it has a good experience and it's very accessible. What we ended up doing very early on there was just um, having a separate email. So the same content, um, but you click through and you, you view it online um, with using whatever technology you want to. Um, but for example, there are um, color. So there's some um, color examples we did there. I think it was yellow text on a black background also helps people with dyslexia, for example. So it's not just the typeface, it's also some of the the design elements helps as well. I think these days it is a base level, but the the thing with rules, the reason I mentioned the Olympics is when we were looking at it then, there was something called the WCAG, I think, and they had, um, which is the, I can't remember what it stands for, it's it's basically for the web and it's sort of accessibility guidelines. So that's at least three um, of the letters. But um, uh, the the challenge there, they they have sort of three different standards. So there's an A, triple, uh, double A and triple A. And you basically, I think it's triple A you want to be hitting. I can't remember which order it goes. Um, But basically the the middle one is good. And and I think triple A is, is sort of best. Now, those standards are for the web. We can't use all of that stuff in email just because of other technical challenges, but that's a great place to kind of set a baseline for what you want to achieve. Um, the other kind of thing, just talking about rules, really is, you know, there's, there's literally laws about this. And recently, um, Domino's, for example, got taken to court and and uh, lost their case um, because someone sued them for in, in the States for their website not being accessible wow okay um so there's literally a cold hard you know money reason to to do this as well so you will save a lot of money not getting sued 
Definitely. So next time, you know, anyone is thinking about redesigning their emails or even before that, look at the design mm. of your emails now and think about are they accessible? So use some of those tools. So Litmus, Email on Acid um, to see how accessible your emails are. Are there any other tools that people can use to assess where they are right now in terms of their designs? Yeah, so from the sort of visual design side of things, there's a bunch of tools. If you literally just Google like contrast checker, that kind of stuff, or um, color blindness checker, there's a whole bunch of tools you can use to just upload your code. There's also a website, I think it is email accessibility, it's either .org or .com, um, but if you Google that again, there's a whole bunch of resources and, and that email accessibility site is a site that's maintained, I think it's by Geordi um, from Email Monday um, and, and a bunch of other people, but they keep the kind of latest articles on there. So that's the best place to go to kind of get a, a sort of... Um, a reading of, of where things are at right now. Fantastic. So we'll find all of those links and we'll pop them in the show notes. So if anyone wants to find out more, go to the show notes and we'll pop all of those links in there. So Elliot, thank you so much for that whirlwind introduction <laughs> to accessibility. I think this is a topic that we need to be focused on that we need to understand in a little bit more detail. And I think you've given us some really good pointers today. So how can people get in touch with you, Taxi for Email and Action Rocket for more information and help creating not only amazingly accessible designs, but designs that get engagement with their audience? Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, actually it's actionrocket.co. Um, so that's, yeah, email agency and absolutely can work with, we've worked with, everyone from you know small startup brands that are just getting going to big multinational brands um that want to do really big involved stuff so yeah anywhere in between um sort of project and ongoing basis so we can absolutely help there so yeah actionrocket.co is the place to go to uh to chat with action rocket and then taxi is taxi for email.com um and yeah you can read all about taxi and and see how we can help you and your team make better email on there as well um, and the other thing I just want to mention as well is um, email weekly so that's emailweekly.co or .co um, so that's a, an email that we send every weekly so it's Action Rockets email but um, the reason I want to mention that is we're doing quite a lot of accessibility kind of tests and and trying out new bits of code sometimes to the detriment of the kind of visual design um, so it's we're a little uh, no, experimental with that and that's kind of the conceit of getting it um so sometimes it doesn't quite work or you know sometimes it looks a bit different um but yeah that, that that's a, a place to to sign up and get those emails every week it is actually a good email that just has a whole bunch of useful things that are going on in the email world as well but yeah that's quite interesting to keep an eye on to see what's what we're trying out from an accessibility standpoint totally agree so if anyone isn't signed up for that definitely go ahead and do that so elliot thank you so much for your time today cool that's all good cheers thank you so if you liked this episode don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating on itunes and spotify and any other podcast provider that you're listening to us on you can also find our episodes on youtube if you prefer to watch rather than listen so we'll have another episode in two weeks time until then thanks for listening Intelligence. Energizing your email marketing with Kate Barrett. Head to our website for downloads and show notes. e-focusmarketing.com/intelligence. slash